want to talk to you tonight about does anything really last? I want to look again at James. We've talked about this book already. We've gotten our study kicked off of how we see real faith in the real world. I think that's what James tries to speak about here. Real faith. You can have real trust and real assurance in the real world. And James has already painted a picture for us. He's already shown us that things could be difficult, that trials could come. No, he has told us trials will come. They will come in our lives. And we have resources. We go with the attitude of joy, but we have a resource of wisdom from God if we'll ask. He says, if you'll just ask me, I will give to you. I'm a generous God. I'm not stingy. I'm not trying to hold on to these resources. I am, I am more than willing to provide for you the wisdom that you need in your life. If you just come to me. I'm not going to insult you about your questions. I'm not going to talk bad about you. I'm just going to give to you the wisdom you so desperately need. That's what he's been talking about. And as he continues this conversation, he really begins to remind us of the things that really will last. The things that won't and the things that will. So I want you to see, beginning in verse 9, James is writing, he says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. In other words, that one that may not have the most, that may not uh, have accomplished what they believe that they should have, world, by worldly standards, says, let that individual glory in his exaltation. In other words... God himself has worked in his life. If he's a brother of yours, that means he has riches beyond compare. Let him glory in his exaltation. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. James is going to have some tough language for those that uh, are blessed materially, but they have not found the spiritual wealth of God. He's going to have some tough uh, words for them later on. Those who are unbelievers who have placed their faith in treasure here on this earth rather than treasure in heaven. He's going to talk very sternly to them. But here he's talking, I think, about those who are in the Christian faith. And what he says to them is that earthly treasures do not last. Those who are in the Christian faith, they need to understand that their earthly treasures will not last. Now, I think we need to be honest with one another tonight here in this place as well. By worldly standards, everybody in this place is rich. I know we categorize and we put, but if you talk about the world and we look around this globe, you and I in this place tonight, if we're even sitting here tonight, we have clothes, we've had a meal today, then we are pretty blessed of God. So all of us have. All of us have resources. God, is, God has blessed us in many ways. We'll see later on where he says that every good and every perfect gift comes from above. We know that. But what he says is those earthly treasures do not last. He says... In essence, those earthly treasures cannot give you the resource you need to get through your trials. Remember, the context is trial. I mean, that's really what he's talking about. And what, he, what he's saying is, is that those of you who think you can get through your trials because you have earthly treasure, you are mistaken. 
Because those things do not last. You may have a false sense of security. I've often said, and I've heard it said, that sometimes we think everything is great and wonderful because our bank account is up and our blood pressure is down. If we have those two things together, combined, a bank account that's up and blood pressure that's down, we think everything's great and we are invincible. We can keep going. But I say to you that the things of this earth, the earthly treasures will pass away and they will not keep you from trial. No matter who you are, they will not keep you from the trial that you can that you will face in this world. I'm grateful that God provides resources. I said that. But I know that there are certain things that come in my life that these earthly resources can't help me with. Oh, I can go see a doctor, and I am thankful for doctors. I saw Dr. Matt come in somewhere, I think. He left. No, he came in. Hey, I wouldn't have said anything bad about you, probably. I mean, you would have been on call, I'm sure, if you would have left, you know, and you had to go deliver. But, hey, I'm thankful for Dr. Matt. I'm thankful for these nurses I see here. I'm thankful for people, and I'm thankful that I have access to health care. I'm thankful that I can see these individuals and they can help me. But how many of us have been through those moments with our family members, maybe us personally, when no matter what we expended in medical resources, we still could not do anything about the situation? We still couldn't do it. How many of us have had relational issues? And if we, had, if we could have taken all of our money and placed it in certain places and solved this, we would have. But it wasn't going to solve that. Because there are limitations to earthly treasures. I had a dear friend, and I've had them through the years, but a dear friend that I used to hunt with quite often. Quite often. He and I would sit in a stand together, usually a box stand together. And we would, well, I was looking for deer. I was wanting to kill a big one. Is that greedy? No. Say no. I was hoping to kill something. I was looking for deer. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't thinking about like personal issues. I wasn't thinking about relationships. I wasn't thinking about all that stuff. I was just sitting there. And my friend, I'm not going to call his name for confidentiality purposes, but he would, um, he would sometimes just bring up different things that were going on. And I realized that these hunting trips for me, they were hunting trips, but for him they were counseling trips. I was okay with that. Sat and stand with him. And oftentimes it would come back. This man, he had been blessed he had been so materially blessed. And I'm going to tell you, he was so generous to the church. He was so generous to the kingdom. He was generous toward me and just a blessing to me. But he had some family issues going on. Sometimes it was because of the money. Sometimes it was because of the envy of the siblings. Because of all the other things. And I would sit there in, the, I would sit there in that stand with him. And many days we would shed tears together. Many days we would 
cry over the situation. Now, I know you've kind of figured out I'm a little more emotional, you know. Now, I could dry it up quick if a 10-point came out. I promise you that. (laughs) But he and I, we would cry. He was so broken over his family. So broken. My dear friend passed away a year or two ago. I went back and I did his service. I talked a little bit at the service about some of those moments we had in the tree stand or box stand and how we shared many close moments together. I didn't reveal to all the family, but all I said was, you know, that he had a sense of brokenness over where things were. And I'm going to tell you, he looked at me more than once and he said, you know what, if I could give up every penny I had to have my family back together, I'd give it up in a minute. I'd give it up in a minute. And I was always reminded by that. So many ways it still breaks me to see the fracture in families. And knowing that if we could do anything, you and I, you and I are the same way. You and I, if we could sometimes just give all the money that we had just to have certain family members talking to each other. Just to have certain things come in our... If we could give all the money in the world just to get our wife better or our child better in their health pursuits, we'd do that. But this is it. This is what James says. James says in the real world, your earthly treasures aren't going to last. They're not the things that can keep you from trial. Trial is going to continue to come. And you need to know no matter what your economic standing, trials will come in your life. That's what he's saying here in this passage. He says, listen, no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Think about the Palestinian sun. Not those who are going with me to Israel in March. Don't think about it right now, all right? The rest of you, think about the tremendous heat of that sun beating down. And in just a moment, that's what James says because he's reflecting On just the everyday life, he says, in just a moment, you can have a flower that is so beautiful, that looks wonderful. And when it comes under the influence of that powerful sun, it will wilt. It'll give way. It'll die. So he says, I want you to know that earthly treasures do not last. And earthly treasures will not keep you from the trials that will come in your life. So first he says, earthly treasures do not last. So what does last? Well, before he tells us for sure what's last, he actually tells us something else that won't last. Look in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown, receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Look at the first part of that verse. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And he says, because one of these days when that individual is approved, so stop there. What James is telling us is that trials, earthly trials won't last. Now, that's a good thing. We were just, he just told us earthly treasures won't last. And that's difficult for us sometimes because we can't, can't prevent the trials and we can't do anything about it with our money and our resources. But this is something good. Because what he's telling us here is that the, that the trial itself will not 
last. Thanks be to God. There are some moments of our lives where we feel like we will never end the trial. We feel like it will never be removed from us. It's just like constant. When I spoke this morning, uh, I think I, I said this in the gathering. Sometimes I tell you in the sanctuary one thing and those up in 1115 another thing, just trying to look out and see which, what all you can absorb. You know, some of you can absorb more than others can, I think, sometimes. But I was telling them up there that, you know, when you think about the giant, Goliath, he just like, he just kept coming. Forty days, he just kept coming, right? The 41st, basically David's there to do something about it, but that's, that's what happens oftentimes is it just keeps coming. The giant will just continue to walk up. And as I said in both services, I think, is that when you see David coming there, the giant, Goliath, he's walking up the mountain of Israel. He's walking up right into the Israelite camp. And again, as Wendall said, if you don't deal with the giant, he will end up taking over your territory and your camp. Well, trials will come and they'll just keep on. They'll keep intimidating you. They'll keep calling out to you. Those things will continue in your life. But the promise of Scripture is that the earthly trials will give way. They will not last. They'll last for a little while, but not forever. Not forever. It's just, just a little bit. James will tell us later on, and I hate to get into these other verses because... I am, I told you I was going to let somebody else preach. I am at some point, all right? I'm working on it. But later on in James, he'll say that life's but a vapor which appears just for a little while and it's gone. Even if you live 95 years, do you realize how small amount of time that is compared to eternity? Just like just, just a breath. And it's gone. But that also means the trials you go through. Ah, just, just a breath. And the eternal significance. Just a little bit. If you endure. If you just keep on. You can know that these things will not last. Hey. You notice that first word. In verse 12, blessed. You see that word littered throughout the scripture. I mean, if you were to walk through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you would have to be careful that you don't step on all the blessed. Because it's blessed over and over and over, especially when you get Matthew chapter 5. I mean, it's just like he just throws that word out over and over. Because we were reminded that this is an attitude. This is part of our character. This is a part of our joy and our happiness. Because blessed means what? Happy. Years ago, when I was doing a study on the Beatitudes, I found a commentary that was entitled, The Be Happy Attitudes. Because the word blessed means like happy, content, joyful. That's what it means. 
And this is a beatitude that James gives us in verse 12. And he says, happy, content is the man who endures temptation. I mean, part of the reason is because you know it's going to come to an end. I can still have joy in my life. Remember the attitude that's given to us in verse 2. Count it all joy. I can have contentment and joy because I know this is not the end. Like, it's not going to last forever. God's called me to, to bear up under the weight. Literally what the word endure means. To bear up under the weight for the moment. But at some point, there's going to be relief. There's going to be a greater relief that God brings into our lives. Remember, I did tell you as well, the word temptation, if you were to look at it in the Greek and you were to bring it over to the English, it is basically our English word pirate. You remember me telling you that some of you? Yeah. Just amuse me sometime. Just shake your head and just say, yes, I'm not going to count that sin for lying or anything else. I'm not just say, okay. And you can, you mean whatever you want to in your head. Just help me out here. Okay. It means pirate. I was writing out this and working on it. I was like, you know what it, it says is that the pirate attacks will end one day. Because life seems like it is filled with pirate attacks. Like they're waiting just around the corner to ambush us. And they jump upon us without us even knowing it. He says, those attacks will come to an end. Earthly treasure, it doesn't last. But thank God earthly trials do not last either. And that's where I want to give you this last. What does last? And that is the heavenly transaction that lasts. James says, For when he has been approved, when he's been tested, when he's been found to be pure, and authentic. Don't miss the previous verses which said that part of the trial process actually leads us to a greater sincerity, genuineness, authenticity. What happens when trials come in our lives is that they're like a purifying fire that refines us, burns off all of the excess and leaves us exposed to who we really He says, know that once all of that extra stuff has been burned off, all of the other stuff has, has given away to what is pure and right. He said, then the Lord, then the Lord himself gives this crown of life. You know, I do think trials, I, I didn't go into this as much as I should have a few weeks ago probably, but I do think trials have this purifying effect upon us. I'm going to tell you I don't go out and pray for persecution. I, I really don't. I'm telling you. I don't get up in the morning and say, you know what, Lord, I'd really like a good dose of persecution today in my life. I have never said that in one prayer ever. But I'm not sure every now and then a good dose of persecution doesn't help us as a church to refine us and who we are. Look at church history. It seems like we did a lot better when we were persecuted than when we became the approved people of the state 
You want to talk about corruption? You want to talk about things that took over the church? You just go back and study your church history. Because trials have a way of purifying us as a people. So he says once he's been purified, he's been approved, he's been tested, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Well, the book of James is what I call wisdom literature. I think it's the New Testament counterpart of like the book of Proverbs. I think it tells us a lot about how we live each day. So it's very practical. That's the reason I entitled it, Real Faith in a Real World. But let's know James here. Because he comes and he's talking about all the practical and everything, and he says, but just know that as I'm about to give you all of this stuff, and I'm going to tell you how you ought to live and how you ought to speak and conduct yourself and all of that, before I tell you all that, don't forget the eternal perspective of this. Because your actions and your work and who you are each day is connected to what God is going to do one day as He gives you this crown of life. In other words, everything that we do and everything we endure is moving toward an eternity with Him. Everything. Now, I'm not telling you, look, this is very heavy on works. Any of you have studied James, you know that. But it is not contradictory to the rest of the Scripture. It is not contradictory to what Paul tells us about grace in any way. What James is going to say to us is that real faith will produce real work. And as you really work, you know that you work each day not to earn your salvation, but you work because you are saved and because you know there is something more than this world. That's the reason you keep working and enduring and going through the trials. Because there's something at the end. And he says, it's the crown of life. Or, or some translations may say something like the crown, which is life itself. Oh, don't you love our Lord? The one who gives life. I mean, today we have probably not said as much as we should about the sanctity of life. But today we recognize that every life is valuable before God. From conception to the time when the person takes the last breath here on this earth, that human individual is valuable before God. I believe that. It doesn't matter their economic background. It doesn't matter about their social background. It doesn't matter about their ethnicity. It doesn't matter about anything else like that. Human life is precious before God. Why? Partly because God is the giver of life. He is the source of life. You and I have breath in our lungs tonight because He decided to give us life. But He's not focused just on physical life. Oh, I'm thankful He gives us physical life and He works within us here. But He gives us spiritual life. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. You and I, when we walk around, we are the living body of Christ. 
the living hands, the living feet. We are individuals who have life. Thanks be to him. And one of these days, we will see the culmination of that. That's what I think he's saying here. As you go through the trials and you go all through all these things, one of these days, you'll see the culmination of this life as you receive a crown of life. It's eternal. When I was saved at the age of 12, when I walked into that pastor's office, when I told him that I wanted to be saved, when I told him that I knew God had been working in my life and my heart and I just wanted to accept him, when that pastor led me to Christ and fleshed it out for me how I could just call out to him, on that day I received eternal life. That day. People talk about eternal life in the future. No, I already got it. I have eternal life now. But one of these days, the culmination of that life will be recognized. As I finish this transition, this pilgrimage, this journey, and I meet him face to face. He says, that transaction, the crown of life, Well, it's going to last. The treasures won't. The trials won't. But the transactions of heaven itself, those transactions will last. Folks, I always tell people, especially at funerals, when I talk about heaven and something that God has given to us, I always tell them, this is not pie-in-the-sky stuff that preachers just come up with. This is the promise of God. Did you not... Hear what he said here, which the Lord had promised. I went back, decided I'd do a little work for you since I was going to have to speak tonight. But I went back and looked at that word, that verb. It's in the tense, which means decisive, which means that it was a pointed action where, like the Lord said, I am decisively promising this to you. In other words, you can... You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. You can believe it because I promise you that one of these days you will receive a crown of life that will last forever. I don't know what's going on with me in my life right now. Did I just say that out loud? I can't believe I just confessed that to you. But God's been working on my heart in the last few weeks. As I've told you, uh, as we began this year, even as I shared with our deacons yesterday, God has been working on my heart to remind me that I've just got a little time. Just a little. Even if the Lord gives me 50 more years, do you realize, again, what I said earlier, how small that is in eternity. I've got just a little time. And I want to bear up well under the trials I want to be obedient to Him is what He calls me to do. And I want to be faithful to the ministry that He has given me in the time that He has allowed. I want to make it count. And that's what I hope and pray that you would see in your life as well. Earthly treasures, look, I can't say it enough. I know I've said it before. I'm thankful for how God blesses me. But I'm so past the earthly treasure part. That's that's not going to last. I want to know 
that one day he will look at me and say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. I don't work because I have to be saved. I'm saved. I know I'm going to get there, but I want to hear a commendation from him. And I pray that you do too. What's going to last? Is there anything? Yep. Eternal life. The reward of heaven itself. That's going to last. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these moments together. Thank you for speaking to us. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, I wouldn't want to go out of this building without extending an invitation to somebody to come to salvation. God, I thank you for the assurance I have and a lot of these other folks have of eternal life in this place. But Lord, I pray that tonight in this moment, in this hour, that everybody that has been convicted, that has felt the Holy Spirit move upon them, that everybody here that has recognized their sin, that they would know you and that they would be saved. And if there's one, if there's two, if there's three that have not given their life to you, Yes, here on a Sunday night, right in this chapel, I pray that they would come and they would confess their sin and they'd follow you. And for those of us who have, Lord, get a hold of us. Remind us of what's really important and help us to make it count now in the time we have. We bless your name. We ask for your sanction on this invitation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?